everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another marvelous episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 15 of the show, which means in the state of Florida, it is old enough to get a driver's permit. And it must complete 50 hours of driving practice as well as complete the education program within the next year in order to get its license as a 16-year-old. However, we're putting the next episode out in a week, so good luck! (laughs) It doesn't take that long to learn, right? (laughs) Nothing to it. Hey, Mike, Happy New Year! Happy New Year? It's 1963! Yay! So tell me everything that's happened in 1963. I know two things from 1963. I associate two things with it. One, the debut of Doctor Who. Okay. Two, that's a big one. Death of John Kennedy. Oh. (laughs) And those happened within 24 hours of of each other. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Doctor Who was almost not Doctor Who. Yes. Um, Yeah. So that's that's the only thing I know about 1963. Actually, I associate a lot of comic stuff with 1963 because. I mean, Spider-Man's number one is cover dated 1963, even though it came out at the end of December. And Avengers comes out in 63. The X-Men start in 63. And uh, it's just a big a big year for Marvel's early days. I believe Dr. No. And by say I believe, I mean I absolutely know because I just looked it up. But I was looking it up because I thought I knew. So yay me. 1963, Dr. No came out. Well, there's a story want- about how... Um, it wasn't Verity Lambert, but it was the man at the BBC that Verity Lambert reported to. Sidney Newman, I want to say. Sidney Newman went to some sort of like, you know, rubbing elbows, you know, TV film production party. And mm-hmm. he found out that there was a film coming out called Dr. No. Uh-huh. And he was so worried because he was trying to get this little TV history oh, drama God. for children yeah. called Dr. Who. Okay. He was, he was very worried and concerned. <laughs> Have you ever seen that um, doc, docudrama they did on the whole making of Doctor Who? Uh, the one for they did for the 50th anniversary, yeah. the Adventure in Time and Space? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was really, really great. For those, Not that this is a Doctor Who podcast, but for those who like Doctor Who and haven't seen that, I recommend it. Um, well, we but are, we're here uh, to talk about Marvel. Marvel. Now, Marvel did Doctor Who. So, you know, 75 oh, yeah. years from now, we get there. Maybe we'll cover that. But, Maybe. Um, We are going to be talking today about the books that came out in January of 1963, starting out with the first week of comics, which starts out with Thor Whack. Now, I'm not sure if this is true, but I feel like I have, for some reason, summarized every issue of Thor so far, um, or at least most of them. And today is no exception, because last week we ended with you summarizing every issue of Spider-Man, or every story we've covered of Spider-Man, all of two so far, but you've got to do both of them. Um, so Thor is on me this this week. Um, that's weird that that's happened. I know. It is weird, because it's it's not like it's it's a very strict pattern either, so something bonkers. I guess it's just uh, the luck of the draw. But fine with me, Journey into Mystery number 90 features a new artist... And watch me scramble and look up who that is really fast. Oh, I, it's I, uh, Art Al Hartley very is good. our new artist. Jack Kirby is gone. He's been kind of bailing on all our books for a while. There, it was the Stan and Kirby show, and now a little less. Um, but it's still Stanley as writer, and it's called "Trapped by the Carbon Copy Man," which isn't the greatest title based on what's actually going to happen, which I'll tell you about right now. Um, it opens on a planet called 
Zartan or something like that. Zarda, yep, with an Zarda X. Zarda has an X. Zartan is like a Voltron villain or something, isn't I it? Think anyway, Zartan is the guy from G.I. Joe who could change his appearance. Okay. So Which that guy is not had- that far off from what we're dealing with here. Hey, very interesting. I wonder which came first. I guess this did. Yeah, this um, did. So Zarda, Zarda is a race, much like every other alien race we've encountered so far, that's just pretty much all about dominating other planets or destroying them or taking them over or basically killing humans. Um, and they've decided to do that with us. So the leader of the Zartans, Zartas, uh, whose name is whatever, and his son, whose name is whatever, lead this armada towards Earth and... They're talking about how they're, they've never been defeated. They have this amazing secret ability. What is that ability? Well, we don't get to know because it then cuts us to Donald Blake on Earth in his doctor's office lamenting about how he is a little uh, wimpy boy who doesn't have the guts to ask out Jane Foster, his nurse, who he has the hots for, who he's in love with. Uh, editor's note, she's in love with him also sort of. When she's not pining after Thor, but she thinks that he's not interested. So, oh, the irony. But anyway, he's in his office trying to muster up the courage. And then he turns to Thor to, like, really kick in, tap in some of that godlike courage. And he proclaims, you know what? Next time I see her, I am going to ask her out or proclaim my love and tell her I'm Thor is actually what he's going to do. He's going to go full on. Um, So, next time he sees her, he's about to do that when, like, a lightning bolt kind of strikes his brain and Thor appears I mean, sorry, Odin appears and says, no, don't do that. So he's like, oh, okay. So he doesn't do that and instead tells Jane he's going to go to the lo- the near local hospital and work at the charity ward. So he goes outside somewhat distraught that he can't do that. He doesn't know why, but he can't do that. And he notices all these bizarre things like the cops are enforcing that people can no longer walk on the sidewalk. They are only allowed to walk in the mud. Sidewalks are reserved for cars. Uh, some... Someone paid someone to paint a bunch of polka dots on a bridge. There's a bunch of guys like hanging a street sign in front of windows on an apartment building. There's other cops enforcing this new law that it's like, you know, trust your neighbor's holiday. So you're not allowed to lock your front door anymore. It's just really bizarre. So he kind (laughs) of steps backwards and goes back into his office and tells Jane, this is weird. What's going on here? And Jane, too, is bizarre because she spins around on him and says, why do you work at a charity ward? You shouldn't be um, giving away stuff like that. If they can't afford medicine, then they should just die. And he's just like, "Okay, well, that's really weird. So he turns to Thor and he goes to the mayor, who's his best good friend, to talk about all this weirdness. And the mayor tries to have him arrested. So just everywhere he turns, everybody's being weird. He flies away, tries to find a place to get a little Zen perspective about it. And he uses the power of Mjolnir to think back in time to a time when Odin was lecturing him about um, an ancestor of Spock's uh, proverb, like, I can't remember what it is now, but if, if something, if something appears to be, no matter how weird it is, it's probably what it is or something like that. So he's just like, okay, well then, What it has to be, I guess. It appears that these people aren't acting like themselves. So I guess they're not themselves. They must be somebody else. So he flies around New York. He finds the spaceship kind of hidden in the bushes in a park. He decides to put his hammer down for 10 seconds so he can, like, feel around with both hands on the 
spaceship and look for like a door or something. But uh, kids, if you're thinking right now, if he puts his hammer down for more than 60 seconds and turns into Donald Blake, that might be a bad thing. And you're right, because that's exactly what happens. He gets stuck in a magnetic power beam and he can't get his hammer. So he turns back to Donald Blake and then the bad Zardas come out of the spaceship and see Donald Blake and they bring him inside. And there he finds the real versions of Jane and the mayor and all these various other people that were replaced in the city, all these police officers and stuff. Um, of course, he can't do anything because he's Donald Blake without a hammer. So he says, hey, you know, there's someone out there who can stop you. His name is Thor. And they're like, what? We could beat Thor. Where's Thor? He's like, hey, if you let me go, I'll lead you to him. Um, so they buy into that. The humans that are captives in there think that he's big old traitor. But the aliens buy into it and they let him go. And they all go outside and he's like, I think Thor's in those bushes over there. So they go in the bushes and then he uses that opportunity to touch his stick, his walking stick, and he becomes Thor again. He says, here I am. They attack him and they they show off their true power, which is that they can shapeshift, which is basically how they've been impersonating all these people. They shapeshift into them. So they're like the scrolls, I guess, but lamer looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, they attack him. He, The guy, like the son of the king turns into like an ice monster and tries to, tries to encase him in ice, but he smashes it with his hammer. And then he turns into like this big giant David and Goliath gladiator type and tries to like net him with a net and uh, he just Thor just shoots him in the face with a lightning bolt I think or something and then Thor eventually wraps the guy up in the his own net s- hurls him around over his head like a cartoon and then tosses him so hard that he breaks the Earth's atmosphere and s- flies past the armada of spaceships waiting for the report from their king and the prince so they see that and they're like whoa let's go we better go save our guy um so they all turn around and, and leave Earth, which is good. And then back on Earth, Thor says, you know, we should just arrest these remaining aliens. And they're like, well, we can't really do that because they're too powerful to contain. And he's like, okay, I'll tell you what. I won't beat you guys to death if you promise to shapeshift into a tree. So they all say, sure, we'll shapeshift into a tree because as soon as you leave, we'll just shapeshift back. But Thor knows better how their powers work than they do because when they shapeshift to a tree, they actually become a tree and they forget that they were ever anything else. And so they just stay trees, I guess. And then Thor also clears Donald's name by telling everybody that it was just a ruse on Donald's part to help him out. And everybody goes, okay, cool. Thanks, Donald. And then the end is like one of those George Reeve Superman moments where like Jane says something pithy and then... And then Donald Blake winks at us at the camera and says, if only I was Thor, nudge, nudge, or something like that. Yep. The end. The end. I'm probably going to cheat and give a much more vague general synopsis of the Hulk issue. Um, but That's because it's a bonkers issue. <laughs> um, okay. So open this comic, and we immediately notice a difference from Kirby. Oh, my God. A bad, bad difference. And not all of it is bad. There's a no. lot. It's it's a different style. There's a lot of good art in here, but the first opening image of Thor has him squatting like he's trying to take a crap, <laughs> as this weird prismatic monster is shooting him with ice. He looks fat. Yeah, he looks. It, it, yeah, his his body is all kinds of thick. His head is all like sitting in the middle of like pudgy. It's just it's just weird. I would Al say Hartley, that. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I would say that the first. Good, at least five pages are pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. And then it's like he kind of figures it out as he goes along. But even when he figures it out, it's nowhere near as good as Kirby was doing. No, it's 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 serviceable cartooning. 
and yeah. it's not great action. And Al Hartley doesn't stick around. He does teen comics. That's what he does during this time is teen oh. comics. And if you really go look at his style with that in mind, yeah. it seems much more suitable for oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like, what if Archie was Thor? Yeah. Well, not Archie. That's a bad example because he's like a very distinct looking caricature. But Right. And different artists have been aping a certain yeah. style for him for decades. Yeah. But uh, but like even if like you turn just to jump ahead a little bit like the next page has has uh, Donald Blake and his head is huge for some reason I know he's supposed to have a lame body but I never thought that meant like his head was disproportionately larger than the rest of him you know right um, the faces are not bad no it's just they're but they're know. not like action and like I was saying like you know these guys are essentially the scrolls but they're not a, that interesting looking because they're just like yellowish orange dudes with like really long mustaches and pointy ears. Yeah, that one head guy has a mustache of doom. It's crazy. And it just makes me think like if this was a Kirby book, he would have just designed something more interesting maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that he was flawless, but if we're going by this idea that Stan pumps out a couple pages of ideas, he gives it to Kirby. Kirby flushes it out with imagery. And then someone comes back in and tries to make a story out of it with dialogue balloons. Then Kirby has a lot to do with – the story. These, these stories. And now he's gone. So it's like, would the story have been better if Kirby was designing something more fun and drawing more fun fights, you know? At the same time, it's it's a pedestrian enough story that it seems like and Kirby had better things to do. Yeah. Um, so I have a few thoughts on this. Not a whole lot. Okay. Um, first couple of pages, did you have anything you wanted to say? Well, um as his head was disproportionately large, that got me thinking what actually is wrong with Donald. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, do we? All we know is that he's lame. I don't so, know, even through the 20 odd years of Thor that I've read, I don't think we ever get like a diagnosis for him. So obviously he needs a walking stick. He's always needed one, even before he found the magic one. Mm-hmm. That's it. We don't know if it's just a bum leg, if his whole body's like you know, falling apart or what. So that's weird that they don't ever really specify it. Yeah. I mean, if we had seen him drawn as like, you know, having a, a, a frailer frame earlier in the series, mm-hmm. but we just have a bit. He, he's, he's, you know, doesn't have any sort of like small build issues. But yeah. Don Blake, Don Blake looks weird in this story. He is mm-hmm. a teeny tiny twig man. Mm-hmm. Um, and on page three, his head is disproportionately small for his body. And then we get <laughs> something from Odin. That's yeah. introduced here, and it's going to be a kind of a major story point for for a while. And that is that Don Blake is not allowed to tell Jane that he's Thor. So I assume at this point, Stanley writing this, he has no reason why, other than it's annoying and a good plot device, right? Other than to maintain the drama, yeah. Right. But I assume also that someday someone comes along and retcons this as to there being a reason why. And I could see that maybe it's because I'm just spitballing here. Odin doesn't want Donald Blake to have human love and and a relationship with a human and a baby with a human because really he's the entire time he's Thor. Mm -hmm. And that would just and, you know, eventually Odin wants him back home and he doesn't want him hanging out on Earth so much. Yeah, I think that. Keeping your identity secret is a part of keeping the fact that you're Thor secret from her. And that is because Odin's a giant racist against humans. Right. Exactly. So he, That's he does what I was not thinking. want Don. He doesn't want his son fraternizing with mortals. 
even though I assume like every other mythological god story about Greeks and Norse gods and stuff that they that he himself has fraternized with humans in the past. Mm. But I don't know for sure. Um, so <laughs> these Zartans take over people's lives. And it's like when Loki had free reign a, f- a couple issues ago, mm-hmm. he just like turned cars into ice cream and, and mm-hmm. stuff into candy. It's like, you're, you're not actually being very malicious. They put the cars on the sidewalk and the people in the street gutter. They put the billboards over the windows and painted polka dots on the bridge. That's, mm-hmm. that's your evil take over the world move. Yeah. At least with Loki, it was like, you could pass him off as being a little, Mixius Pitalix or something like I'm mm-hmm. a god of mischief. It's just fun for me to screw with everybody and make their day bad. But these guys are trying to like take over this planet. I assume that's what it seems like. And the way they're going about doing that seems so bizarre because it's like, first of all, how many people can you replace when you've only got one ship on the ground? So they got this one ship and it's probably like what they're just replacing this block full of authorities, maybe like five police officers or something. Um, and then what is the ultimate goal there just to, to piss off the entire human race until they band together and like overturn their government or what? Like it's yeah, not really, know. it's not really making anybody do anything. It's like, they're getting ready to go. Our mighty warlord approaches. So their mighty warlord is the leader here with mm-hmm. his son at his side. This is a proud moment for old Ugarth. Ugarth is the one with the mag- magical mustache. <laughs> you will soon have your taste of battle. Be clever and ruthless. Show the enemy no mercy. Right. Clever and, and ruthless in battle. Cruel. They're going to conquer all together. It's his last campaign. And they get to Earth and they take over a few people. And they're like, do 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 like, Going to paint some circles. You're and- not allowed to lock your door. Teehee. <laughs> you know, like, that's not ruthless or cruel or even violent. So Or even warlike. Um, and, and again, there's only one of them. There's on this planet. So how many people could they have? Imp- it's just so odd that, by the way, they managed to get Jane Foster too. like, just why? How right. did that even happen? Well, when well, did that happen? Don was out that day. Right. But how, how does that even improve their chances of taking over anything by getting Jane Foster? You know, I don't know. It's weird. It's very um, weird. And then. Jane Foster's attitude is like, you have no business treating people without charge. If they're too poor to pay, you should let them remain sick. They deserve to be ill. And I know this is not that kind of party, but man, can I say some political things about this? <laughs> like certain certain young politicians read this and were like, yeah, you go, girl. Right. Ugh. Um, okay, so, so, so. Who is Don Blake? I mean, really, he's best friends with the mayor. Do they have golf together? Does does Mayor Harris call him at home and talk about the latest episode of The Expanse? I mean, wh- what are these? Who is Don Blake? And wasn't there an issue? I don't remember which story it was where he went to like the White House and also had yes, a friend there. Yes, he so has it's friends like- in the Defense Department. And you'll notice that he shows up in the mayor's office as Thor. So is it Thor's friend or is it? Oh, that's even weirder. It is. Was he going to change? Did he not expect the mayor to be in his office at that moment? Or did he forget to change? Or is Thor and the mayor best friends? I guess Thor and the mayor are best friends. Thor and the mayor go hang out together. You know, he lets he lets the mayor try to pick up his hammer every now and then. Well, you know? You know, Thor wants to be Superman, and I can guarantee you that Superman and the mayor are like best friends. Yes, this probably. is true. It so, is very, it is, I was thinking about that when you were giving a synopsis, and it's a very Superman kind of move. Totally. Um, 
And Thor, <laughs> what does he say? Um, I have an idea. I will send my mind back in time and space. Yeah, Thor, most of us call that remembering. <laughs> well, okay. First of all, you, you make a bad God of Thunder because you're not dramatic enough. Uh, but I cheated a little bit on the other day and read some of your notes. And at first I laughed and just said, yeah, that should just be thoughts. But then I started thinking of reasons why maybe he said it that way just to like to, uh, you know, help Stan out, even though Stan totally didn't mean it this way. Just to advocate for the devil a little bit. Advocate for the devil. So I had two ideas as to why he would say, I'm going to send my mind back in time and space to Asgard. One, just because you're immortal doesn't mean you remember everything. This is true. In fact, so, I would like to see some like stories of thousand-year-old vampires who don't even remember their lives. Right. Like Doctor Who just did that when he made that one girl immortal. Right. And she, she has no memory, so she keeps diaries. And before her, there was some science fiction movie that I saw where a guy claimed to be a caveman, originally a caveman who just never died, and he couldn't remember most of his life either. And I can't remember being four, and I'm only 40. So, like, if I was a million years old, like – what can I remember? About a decade's worth of stuff? So there's that. Because he does say, using the power of his hammer, he conjures up a long-forgotten event. The other option is, and this is really not something Stan ever thought of, but you and I have gone back and forth as to how much Donald Blake is Donald Blake and how much Donald Blake is Thor when he's Thor. Oh. You know? Like... He remembers things, or he seems to know things that only Thor should know, and he knows how to use hammers and tapping, and he knows Loki and stuff, but he also talks like he's Donald. So then I thought, well, maybe he can use his hammer to access Thor brain or something. No, actually, I actually really like that headcanon for this. Okay. That's what I want to go with, because I think that makes the most sense. Um, I do want to nitpick one thing. You mentioned that he uses the power of Mjolnir in your synopsis, and we don't have that name yet. (gasps) You're right. They call it his enchanted hammer. Yes. We don't get that name for a while. Although that is the name of the hammer. Yes. In in mythology. So it's not like they invented it. No. And it's no big reveal when they when they finally use it. They just start using it. But I just we don't we we have not gotten the name yet. Um, Do you think they do you think they haven't used it because they they figure none of us can figure out how to pronounce it? Maybe. I would not be surprised. Although Stan Lee is still writing when they do start using the name. So I don't know if they just decide, hey. Um, and Thor actually has three powerful objects. The hammer is only one of them. Mm-hmm. In the stories, he has a powerful belt and powerful gloves. And the powerful belt shows up every now and then. I don't think they ever bring in the powerful gloves. The powerful belt showed up in Spider-Man Homecoming. Did you catch that? No. They're putting it on oh, the yeah, plane. Whatever. Yeah. I Thor's that magic now. belt. I was like, whoa, interesting, but okay. Yeah. You also, um, not, not, to, not to say, you did it wrong. You pulled out the wrong logical point. It's not Occam's razor if you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains must be oh. the truth. It's the simplest, most obvious explanation is well, usually the best one. I thought it was more... Uh, let me see what I was really trying to quote and totally bombing is once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, improbable. must be the truth. Yeah. Right. That's Sherlock Holmes. Right. So that's why Spock's I made ancestor. the Right. Spock's ancestor. Right. But then As I bombed the quote because I couldn't remember it. But oh, well. <laughs> but I, I, I don't like that because, yes, the simplest explanation should be your first go to. But that is so often not 
the best explanation. Right. Because hoofbeats are sometimes zebras. They're not always horses. Especially in Sherlock Holmes. So for that guy to say it is really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the conclusion he jumps to is is also bizarre. Because is that the simplest explanation? That they're not really who they are? Wouldn't it be simpler to have like hypnotized them or, or maybe you're on drugs or, right. you know, it could be anything, but whatever. Um, it's, so it's he, interesting that they're, that they're injecting Odin a lot more. So this too, he's trying to solve a problem. So he thinks back to an old Odin lesson. Right. I like that. I like that they're bringing Odin in more and mm-hmm. trying to use it more in the stories. Although he looks weird. Yeah. Um, I also like that Thor and his brothers are a bunch of little Thors listening to Odin. I, I was yeah, I wasn't sure what the heck that was about. Like is that just double vision on his part? Cuz initially when I read it, I thought was that Thor and Loki cuz I remember there being two heads. And then I flipped back and it wasn't Thor and Loki, it was Thor and Thor. And it's like, "What? All of these sons of Odin look like Thor." I guess they all wear the wing helmet and have long locks, yeah. Oh, you know, one of them is Thor with two R's. Oh, that, had, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm just kind of going through this. I, I, I don't mean to be like skipping past any of your thoughts or notes or anything, but um, we get to him getting zapped to the side of the ship because magnetism works that way. Yeah. He gets turned into a human and he gets taken inside and there are precisely two human captives. <laughs> the mayor and Jane. The mayor and Jane. The only two people he has interacted with that have treated him wrongly are the two. We don't see anyone else. We don't even see like a crowd of nameless nobodies. No, so they just killed them or what? I guess. Because in the end, I forgot to say this in my summary also. In the end, he like demands that they summon the rest of the imposters back mm-hmm. before he changes, makes them turn into a tree. Uh, but there's like five total. Two of them must have been Jane and the mayor. So there's three more. Those like two cops and a bridge painter. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess whoever, whoever directs the uh, putting up of signs... And that was a cigarette billboard, too, by the way, just, you know, to post in 1963. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, going back to the Superman tropes on page seven mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom. Look, if you grant me my freedom, I shall lead you to Thor. Perhaps mm-hmm. you can catch him off guard and capture him. Yeah. Oh, no, Dr. Blake, don't do it. The cowardly traitor. He's selling out mankind's. Oh, so Clark Kent is a coward. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, and then later I like that Thor kind of makes sure he he uh, clears his name a little. Mm-hmm. But they're both kind of like, well, I don't understand. He seems like a huge coward jerk to me, but whatever you say, Superman. Right. Thor, Superman. Yeah. Um. So I really, really re- seem to remember, and I've been harping on it because it's different, but it's been consistent um, that. His hammer is supposed to turn back into a walking stick whenever he turns back into the doctor. Right. But it's not been doing that. Every time he leaves his hammer for a minute and turns back into Don Blake, the hammer stays a hammer. He, he just goes and grabs the handle again and turns oh. into Thor. So I, I'm waiting to see if that ever changes. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying it's been that way since we've been reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They've been I consistent, but it's just different than I remember. Yeah. I didn't remember it that way either, but... I think the thing is, like, if he purposely changes back, it turns to a stick. Otherwise, all he has to do is touch it. Right. And he's restored. So that's interesting. Makes and, life easier. And that theoretically means that Don Blake can't lift the hammer. Only Thor can lift the hammer. Well, I guess you'd never know because as soon as he touches it to try and lift it, he turns to Thor. So then he's lifting right. it. Right. So, yeah. And, and at least there was no, where did Don Blake go nonsense this time. 
No, instead it was look behind those trees for Thor. Right. That's I am better. the one you seek. I well, that's dramatic. I am the one you seek. I am Thor. How's that for dramatic? Yeah. yeah he is, is really good at tossing things though, I have to say. He like, throws it right through that crystal guy. He's thrown Loki to Asgard. I feel like he's thrown something else, but yeah, he threw a dude into space past all his ships, like and it just keeps on going. Like I don't even think Hulk has done anything like that so far. And just, you know, for for nothing. Ugarth totally dies here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Zano the Sun and the Zartans come back in X Factor 32 in the 80s to avenge the Are you death. serious? I am serious as serious. I thought you were just being hypothetical that he died there because nope, how could he not? Nope. Ugarth oh. totally dies there. Thor kills a guy and his son's like, sure. What the f? Dude! Wait, though, his son is. Where is his son at this point? His son is his son is the guy fighting him at first, right? His son is Hercules. His son is the ice monster, and then he's the Goliath guy. And then his dad says, "Let me take over," and he shrinks to nothing and turns invisible. But then Thor like makes it rain so he can see him and mm-hmm. beats him up. So it's Thor. Okay, I got that wrong in my summary too. Wow, I really bombed on this one. But like, yeah, he throws his dad out into space, and I guess the son. I don't know what happens to him. We shall he- keep Ugarth's son and his companions as hostages. Okay. So you, you have in that bottom right panel on 12, the two X-strap guys and the right. topless guy. The topless guy is the son. So, so he's the son a tree. becomes a tree. Yeah. So how does he come back then? I don't know. It's, I've read oh. X-Factor 32, but I didn't even realize it connected to this when I read it. All right. Well, let's put a pin in that, and in 500 years, we'll right, get we'll back to X-Factor 32. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, the tree thing is just stupid, beyond stupid. It's uh, just the scrolls ending. It's exactly the same as the scrolls ending. But at least again. with the scrolls ending, he, Mister Fantastic, brainwashes them with his magical brainwash ray. Like Thor just somehow knows that when they shapeshift to a tree, they'll think like a tree. Did he? Did Mister Fantastic brainwash them? Yeah, into thinking they were cows. Oh, I thought they just turned them into cows. No, he made them turn into cows, and then he. He remember I think we commented on the fact that suddenly Reed Richards can brainwash people, but yeah, he brainwashed oh. him with a gun or something. Weird. Okay. Yeah. So, they, he's just like, and yet you mentioned it in your synopsis that he knows how they work better than they do. I'm like, shouldn't? I mean, wouldn't it be one of those things you you hear when you grow up? Don't turn into an inanimate object. You might never become alive again. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe on Asgard, shape changers are a dime a dozen or something. It's like, don't. Turn into an inanimate object. Don't put metal in the microwave, and don't put liquid dish soap in the dishwasher. Yeah, I mean these are the three rules. Yeah, that sounds like a T-shirt waiting to happen. <laughs> um, but that's it. Yeah, um, this was crummy, and I think a lot of it was because Kirby was gone. I'm going to say. I mean, I'll never know that because there's not a version where Kirby drew this, mm-hmm. unless we can somehow travel back in time and create an alternate reality. Send your mind back through time and space. Yes. With my enchanted hammer, but right, I do think it would help if it was Kirby. But even still, it's a dumb story all around, yeah. like a very un, not thought out story. And again, with the freaking aliens, I'm kind of really getting tired of the alien of the week thing. Like, it's it just becomes to where like an alien invasion is not very dramatic anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there have been so many aliens that who cares, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, at, at the yeah. same time. How many of these have been known to the public to be alien invasions? Um, none. Because Marvel's makes the big deal about Galactus's attack. Yeah. And how that like changed the game for humanity. Right. Um, 
I don't know. Okay. Yeah, good point. Interesting. So that has us wow over half an hour. How did we even do that? Um, actually, no, I think I think part of that recording was us just talking. So it's not. Maybe it's less than half an hour. Um, all right, shall we go over to the Incredible Hulk number six? The last Incredible Hulk ever. Yeah, and this is also a no longer Kirby book. This is Steve Ditko doing yeah. art on this. Maybe. Mm penciling and inking because he's listed as just artist mm-hmm. um so yeah kirby is leaving books uh he does have some major work coming down the pike he has three full-length titles and two summer annuals coming down so he may just be getting a head start uh we will yeah. still see him on the occasional torch or iron man or ant-man but he doesn't have any runs on those books anymore uh, and if you look, if we were to fast forward a year, he would be doing steady work on Fantastic Four and Thor and Sergeant Fury and the Avengers and the X-Men. And that's a lot. That is very much a lot. Um, I'm glad he sticks with the FF. I think that's my favorite thing he draws right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wish, not that I love these Incredible Hulk books, but I kind of wish he would have just stuck it out for the one more. Mm-hmm. Just to make it a Lee Kirby production for the six that got that failed. But oh well. What are you going to do? Oh, well. Yep. All right. Um, I have to synopsize this. Okay. So this is the Incredible <laughs> Hulk versus Magneta. I mean, versus the Metal Master. <laughs> right. The Metal Master is an alien who can control metal with his mind. So he is very much a proto-Magneto. Not just a clever name. And the story opens with the um, army waiting for Dr. Banner to help them explode a gamma bomb. I mean, launch a rocket that he's been helping them with. And he's the only one who knows how it works and he has to be there for it to, um, to work. And, but he's not there. Instead, he's the Hulk out cruising around being the Hulk, trying to get back to base. Oh no, trying to get back to his cave so he can turn into Bruce Banner and then show up at the base. Mm -hmm. But there are army practice maneuvers between him and the cave and he can't get there. So finally, when he's about to give up, there is an ear splitting whine of alarm and they all go back to base. It's like, Oh, chill. So he goes back to the cave, turns back into Bruce Banner and he's all like, wait a second. I'm Bruce, but I'm super strong. Hey, Want to turn on the TV instead of you know getting dressed and going to work. And he turns on the TV and his missile rocket thingy that he wanted to uh that he was you know supposed to help with has been melted to slag. Um and there's an alien, the metal master. He looks like um like if Charles Xavier and a pug had a baby, it would yep. look like this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> um so the metal master is there. He controls metal. He controls the guns. He wraps everybody up. And uh, he takes the slag from the missile and puts the uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Ross, General Ross and Betty. Cause she's there for no reason. And Rick Jones. Cause he's also there for no reason. Um, wraps them all up in some metal bands. And then he goes away. He turns a metal square into a platform that he rides away on. Like he's, I don't know, flying. Uh-huh. And they try to shoot missiles at him, but hey, guess what? They're made of metal. Rick Jones decides to go and check on Bruce Banner. He goes down to their cave just as Bruce Banner's turning back into the Hulk again. I don't even know why he turned into Bruce Banner, um, but that's fine. We'll talk about that in a minute. So the Hulk is there, except earlier, whenever the Hulk turned into Bruce Banner, he was Bruce Banner, but he was still strong. 
That was weird. Now Bruce Banner has turned back into the Hulk, and he is the Hulk, except he still has Bruce Banner's head. Like, like you swapped the heads on your action figures. This is what he has. And so he's like, well, that's weird. I can't go out like this. So he goes into the other room where he has made latex masks. Of the as, Hulk's face. As you do, yeah. As 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 you do. We're going to get back to that. We're going to talk about this. And he puts one on. So now he's the Hulk because he's wearing a Hulk mask. And he uh, springs after the Metal Master. Uh, Metal Master puts him in some metal cages, but the Hulk is super strong and punches his way out. But the battle goes for a really long time and the Hulk is starting to get more and more tired. So the Metal Master is like, dude, why are we fighting? Why don't you just help me take over the world and fight the humans? You hate them anyway. Hulk's like, dude, I could totally do that. But you know what? Screw you. I don't want you to help me take over the humans. If I want to be the humans, I'm going to do it by myself because I'm the Hulk. I don't need your help. And so Metal Mash says, okay. And he sends a piece of metal and like, hits the Hulk like right in the head in the knockout spot. So the Hulk gets knocked out. Check this out, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. The Hulk is unconscious on the ground and the army walk up and like, hey, check it out. It's the Hulk. Army guy kneels down by the Hulk. It's like, well, this is weird. The Hulk, he's wearing a mask. So he reaches down, grabs the mask and pulls it off. It's like, oh, my God. Underneath the Hulk face mask is the Hulk face. What the hell is going on here? Why is the Hulk wearing a mask of his own face over his face? And the other guy's like, dude, this is too much for me. We need to go and leave this alone. Let's get out of here. And they do. They leave. It's the best, stupidest moment in comics. Okay. So um, they, they they talk to General Ross. Like They found the Hulk and the Hulk's unconscious. Ross is like, sweet. So they go and capture the Hulk. They like tie him up with ropes. All the Lilliputians are like tying Gulliver up with their ropes. They carry him off in a helicopter and drop him in a Hulk containment cell. This huge, like five foot thick walls of steel. Um, very much the same idea as the cave they had, but it's like an entire room of this. And um, they put the Hulk in there and Rick Jones is like, no, that's my friend. So he goes to the window just as the Hulk is waking up. The Hulk's like, Rick Jones? You, you must have told them I had that mask on. I'm going to kill you. So he, he goes to try to kill Rick Jones. And Rick Jones is all sad because he's trying to trying to be friends with the Hulk. And the Hulk doesn't want to be his friend anymore. This Hulk is mad. So Rick Jones walks away. He says, General Thunderbolt Ross has always been mean to me and never said a single nice word. When can, where, where can I join the army? I want to work for you now. And Ross <laughs> is like, hey, that's a great idea. You should totally join the army, except you're too young. You should go to school, finish high school, get your diploma. It's what all the kids are doing these days. It's totally hip and cool. Go to school. Rick's like, fine, get out of here. No one wants me around. I'm Rick Jones. I'm the stupidest sidekick ever. Go this way. Um, while this drama has been happening, the Metal Master has taken over the world. Yep. Back to Rick Jones. <laughs> They really detailed that out, didn't they? <laughs> it is three tiny panels at the bottom. Three little Steve Ditko panels that are, by the way, the Metal Master has taken over the world and everyone is scared out of their will, whatever they're scared out of. They're scared out of something. Um, Rick Jones goes and talks to his friends like, hey, Rick, we got something to show you. We got some ham radios, kid. Um, and Rick is like, wait a second. 
wait a second. I've got an idea. I know how we can help. We're going to talk on these radios to other people. We're going to call ourselves the internet. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, no. He calls it the Teen Brigade. The Teen Brigade. That sounds neat. Reet. Um, so they're the teen brigade. This is all these teenagers on ham radios talking to other teenagers in other parts of the country over shortwave. Um, you know, that, that, that's a thing that has happened now. This is the teen brigade. It's clearly going to be a thing. Um, meanwhile, the Hulk has been pounding on the walls of his cell for so long. He has finally broken through. Um, yeah, took a lot of long time pounding and pounding and pounding. Um, he goes back to his cave. He turns back into Bruce. Rick Jones shows up and says, Hey, Bruce, I'll take care of you. Uh, since we're still friends. And Bruce is like, Yeah, I didn't mean it when I said I wanted to kill you. I was totally the Hulk talking. I love you, Rick. Be my friend. And, um, let's see. Somehow the, the kids of the teen brigade start on a mission, but I thought it was okay. So Bruce Banner tells them a plan mm-hmm. that we don't hear. Right. But that he's going to remember this plan later. As the Hulk, which is why I got confused there for a second. It's like, wait a second, the Hulk's the one that has a plan, but we're still at Bruce. Anyway, so Bruce has a plan. Um, the Teen Brigade go out and they start ordering packages. And Amazon same day shipping is like totally helpful. And um, Bruce turns himself into the Hulk because if you're going to do an elaborate mental plan to beat the bad guy, you should definitely turn into a brute who has a hard time thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Metal Master. The one of the communist countries tries to kill him, doesn't work because, of course, their freaking rockets are still made of metal. And so finally, the Hulk's like, oh, okay, got all the stuff. And he opens up all the stuff and pulls out the Ikea instructions and throws them away because they're Ikea instructions. And he's the Hulk and Hulk, no need, no Ikea instructions. He puts together all the stuff that he made. And all the kids are really impressed because the Hulk has this huge 90s cannon like 1990s underarm like cable wants to touch this um the hulk has this big old gun and the kids are so amazed that he made this gun out of the stuff that they ordered because they didn't order gun parts but but it looks looks pretty impressive and so the hulk goes out to menace the metal master he says metal master i've got this gun i'm going to shoot you and Metal Master's like, you can't shoot me. I'm going to control the metal in that gun and turn it into, you know, Cheerios or something. And Metal Master touches his forehead and thinks really hard at the, at the gun and the gun doesn't do anything. And he flies down closer, thinks really hard at the gun and the gun doesn't do anything. So he flies down closer and thinks really hard at the gun and the gun doesn't do anything. He's like, what, 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 what is this? What's happening here? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something at you. So he throws stuff at the Hulk to try to try to figure out what's going on. I can control this metal over here. Why can't I control your gun? Um, but the Hulk is able to get close enough to the Metal Master to grab him by the scruff of his shirt and actually menace him um, and tells him, you know what? I'm going to kill you unless you put the world back the way it was. Because in part of the taking over the world, he had done the whole like Superman 3 thing where he bent the Eiffel Tower and tore mm-hmm. down the Wall of China and all this other stuff with his you know metal bending powers. And so he, he undoes all of this and puts the Leaning Tower of Pizza back at an angle. Uh, Pisa, excuse me. And um, yeah, then he flies away in a spaceship. And everyone's like, sweet, Hulk, how did you do that? What was so special about your gun? And Hulk's like, dude, you bought me cardboard and paint. 
I made a cardboard and paint gun. That's that's what I did. That's the stuff that you ordered for me. Remember that? Yeah. So I, I did that. Um, and I'm going to go fly away with Rick Jones because the army's here and they're not my friends. So he flies away with Rick Jones and Thunderbolt Ross is there. And the kid's like, dude, the Hulk totally saved the world from the Metal Master. And Ross is like, I guess I was wrong about him. He's the Hulk, but he saved the world. And so the Hulk goes back to his cave with Rick, tries to turn back into Bruce Banner, and the ray doesn't work. He is now stuck as the Hulk. Meanwhile, Betty cannot find Bruce. She's been in the background worrying about Bruce the whole time. Um, Bruce never actually did show up in the story. He only appeared in the cave. So Betty has worried the entire time if Bruce was alive. No one's seen him in weeks. So um, Teen Brigade keeps on teening. Um, but Rick Jones goes to see the Hulk and tells him, hey, guess what? The president or governor, whoever's in charge of pardoning people, has pardoned you because you defeated the Metal Master. You're cool now. You can be chill. And I was like, I don't want to be chill. I don't need your pardon. You're a bunch of stupid humans. And he gets so crazy and so angry that he turns back into Bruce Banner again. And he's like, I don't know what that was. Is that a delayed reaction? And so Rick Jones takes care of him. Bruce goes and sees Betty. They go on a date. And Rick's like, I wonder if he's ever going to have to turn into the Hulk again. And the series ends and Bruce lived happily forever after the end. See, you don't have to doubt yourself. You got everything right in that. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to head, you know, go go on the outline. But nah, I did. I, yeah. So that was, that was a big story. It was a big story. And and like, I think. It's kind of intended to be read as a farce in a few places, because if you try to take this story too seriously, it is the stupidest bullshit. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's like Journey into Mystery no, stupid, but it. But I think I think if you go into the story with like, okay, we're going to have a little bit of fun with the yeah. whole concept, put everything a little bit over the top. It's pretty great. Yeah, I, I think this is a great issue to go out on, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this might be my favorite issue of the six. Um, for one thing, it's one story, which right. is nice. They hadn't done that yet. And we've complained a couple times that sometimes it seems like they were force-fitting what could have been a more drawn-out story into this this two-story template per book thing. Number two was the Toadman. That was a whole story. But man, oh, every, yeah. every other issue has either been two separate stories or two stories squeezed together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess yeah. the first issue was the same the story, too. The first issue was but two it, stories squeezed together. So, it was, it's so di- – it, it was just like a full metal jacket where you're, you're – list- you got one story going on. Next thing you know, you're in Russia taking on a – Yeah, grand, that, that really gargoyle. felt like two stories that were just sandwiched together and made to look like one. Right. This is really one you know feature-length drama or mm-hmm. comma drama. Mm-hmm. Comedy. Dr- dramedy? I don't know. Um yeah, so I kind of threw some of my thoughts and notes into the synopsis because, like, I felt like this is where the the story opens where we came in with then trying to do a, a missile launch that they need Bruce Banner for. I thought that was interesting because we haven't really seen the guy work since right. he became the Hulk, and yet here he must have at some point designed this new uh, what do they call it? They call it a uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the name of the thing that they're trying to do. Wow, they really don't call it anything. And if we were looking for a specific location of where they are, we're in the Great Southwest. Okay. Somewhere. Um, 
Oh, space probe. There it is. I knew there was words in there somewhere. Oh, space it, probe. It's a space probe, which is so non-militant and weird that General Ross cares about this thing. But right. unless, the, unless the probe is to, like, blow up the moon or something. Hmm. All General Ross cares about is killing things. So it's weird that now suddenly he cares about space exploration. But Yeah, I wonder, because I think the government space efforts in the 60s were under the auspices of the military. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I found it interesting that the Hulk knows he has to become Bruce. And he's almost desperate to do so. But he really doesn't like the idea. He's just going to do it anyway. And that indicates some higher reasoning. Which I thought was pretty interesting of note. To, to so note. I'm going to just jump through this whole story a little bit for this point, and that I feel like this whole thing is like the best of like the Bruce Banner Hulk struggle. Mm-hmm. Even though there's still this like these this device that he uses, that's the one thing that's probably a downer. Um, but yeah, like as the Hulk, he's sitting there going, "I better change back soon because the longer I'm the Hulk, the more I don't want to be anything else." And he knows that, and he turns to Bruce, and he's weak and hurt. And yet he keeps turning back to the Hulk. In this case, for no reason that I can find. Like, if there's no, there's nothing that says that he just broke up a mob fight or something like that, right? He's just jumping around the desert as the Hulk. Why did he do it? We don't know. So part of me thinks, like, you know, the Hulk is making him want to change back. You know, like, he wants his time. And then when he's the Hulk, Bruce wants to change back because he wants his time. And now in this particular issue, like, you've... Like you said, like even when he turns to Bruce, the Hulk is kind of popping out through his abs, you know. Um, he's got this awesome, fit, muscular body still for a little bit. And then when he turns to the Hulk, the Bruce, Bruce Banner still like is fighting for control with his head, which is, of course, ridiculous looking. But still, it's a, it's a struggle. Something's going on. And they, they're blaming it on the machine, but it could just be like psychological. Right, right. And then even I, in, I like that, actually. Even in the end, like – the machine doesn't change him back because Hulk doesn't want to come, you know, give up. And then somehow, for some reason, I guess, because he gets weak through rage or something at that point, like Bruce Banner manages to to win out. But And I think that this is a good transition to get us away from the machine because uh-huh. we're never going to see this machine again. Good. Because it stops uh, at working. Least, yeah. Um, after this issue, the Hulk kind of becomes a sporadic appearance. But you can sort of trace his narrative um, with the exception of the Amazing Spider-Man guest spot, which is kind of out of nowhere. You can sort of trace his narrative through other books uh, to, finally, the Tales to Astonish run. And once you get to the Tales to Astonish run, his change is tied to his emotional state, which mm-hmm. is what it's tied to at the end of this story. Right. The end of the story, the Hulk gets so angry that he changes back to Bruce, and yeah. that's the plot device they use when they start to Tales to Astonish. Right. Um. So, yeah, I, I love the idea that his psychology is at war, and that's why this – and that's a very Steve Ditko concept, too. Yeah, I mean, because um, he's never obviously been the same person. I mean, he claims to be in control, but as soon as he becomes green, he starts using words like blasted and cutting off his the last letter with an apostrophe and stuff like that. And Bruce Banner doesn't talk like that. Right. So he's a different person. He's just in denial. Uh, the Metal Master is definitely proto-Magneto. I mentioned that earlier. Um, Magneto is, of course, much better. Well, he doesn't well, start out much better. He starts out slightly better. He can sense when something's not metal, anyway. Yeah. You have too much iron in your blood. Um, speaking of Metal Master, though, I love the panel of his introduction. I am the Metal Master. And then it's a close-up of his weird face. I come from a planet, planet Astro many galaxies away. And that just makes me think, like, what do you think in general of Steve 
or uh, yeah, Steve Ditko drawing the Hulk. I really like the art in yeah. this. It's not um, Kirby, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah, and we've talked before how Steve Ditko is very human in his facial mm-hmm. expressions and everything, and you definitely get that with the Hulk. The mm-hmm. Hulk has some expressions on this that are so amazing, just different kinds of emotions, and I, th- I think it's right. He inked Kirby in issue two, so we got the kind of flat top Hulk a little bit in issue two, but this is this is different, and I, I am a fan. Um, I think his little tiny... Uh, tiny purples that he wears throughout this are laughably ridiculous. And I wish, I wish we had just a little bit of like butt crack sticking out of the top. Every yeah. time we saw a rear shot of the Hulk. Yeah. Um, That's that would have, that would have made my day, but it's um, just, yeah, it's cool art. And I think the story, the panel choices are interesting. Like I said, I really like the, I am the metal master thing. And later where uh, Rick and Hulk are breaking up. Rick is like, or the Hulk is mad at Rick because he thinks he like told everybody about his embarrassing mask fiasco. Mm-hmm. There's that panel where like the Hulk is reaching out to try and kill him, and Rick is just standing there because he knows he can't reach him. And then like Rick is, or then the Hulk like closes his fist and says, "I never want to see you again, kid." And like Rick is crying, and I think all that's like very cool storytelling. Yeah, yeah, the art is there. The art there is fantastic. Um, this guy is gonna be Spider Man, and it's yeah. you can see. I mean. Actually, the page you're on where Rick is crying, page 11, the very top, that could very easily be J. Jonah Jameson and Betty Brand. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Peter Parker-y type characters in this issue. The whole Team yeah. Brigade thing is just basically mm-hmm. Peter's high school. Right. And Rick Jones isn't Peter, but he could, like, yeah, he could be. He's best friends with, be the friends. Flash, with Flash Thompson, apparently, because right. he's right there. It is Flash Thompson, isn't it? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's his Southwest cousin. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that brings us to the Teen Brigade. So Teen Brigade. Yeah, they're cool. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that. but <laughs> <laughs> You don't like Teen Brigade? I don't know. It's just a Marvel, kind of a Marvel staple, I guess. It was it's cool. It's one of those things that makes, us, makes me feel like we're getting close to the Avengers because they're in the Avengers 1. Yeah. And they're a, they're a somewhat significant part of the background elements of the early Avengers issues, mm-hmm. whenever Rick Jones is kind of snapper car. Um, but yeah, so it starts here and they're actually a pretty cool part of this particular story because they are doing things that Bruce can't do for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like they're kind of superfluous a bit later. Well, they're also eventually become like the add on or maybe the inspiration for Captain America's eighties uh, hotline. So, I don't know. I guess I kind of have nostalgia for the idea that there's these ham radios are a bit dated now. I mean, now everything would just be the internet. But, uh, yeah. It's interesting, like, just giving the youth some power to uh, do some stuff. Because you got to imagine that a lot of these teenagers are reading these books. So, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the same way you gave Robin to, you know, eight-year-olds. Now they're 16, 17-year-olds reading this stuff going, hey, yeah, we could be helping out too. As long as they make sure to stay in school, kid. Don't just go join the army. You're too young. So that was kind of cool of him, though, I thought. Yeah. Um, Considering what a jerk hole he's been the entire series so far, Mm -hmm. like nothing good has ever come out of his mouth. And then all of a sudden there's this bit where he's like, well, of course he's happy that Rick Jones wants to join the army because that would make any general happy, right? But yeah, the you're too young, you should stay in school thing. It's like, wow, that's kind of amazing that he gave him that advice. 
Yeah, it is good. And it, it, it felt a little bit PSA, but a good PSA. And in the 60s were, I don't know if um, tune in and drop out was started to become a thing or not, if that, or if that was later, but also on that same page, the Hulk pounding away on the wall. Uh-huh. I just got a note of sadness about that. Whenever he was like, when I break out of here, I'll have my revenge on everybody. Do you hear? And I will get out. No matter how long it takes, I'll get out. He just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding. I'll get out. Yeah. And that's just what he, you know, all he wants to do is get out of this prison. It just, it just was sad. By the way, this building is made of concrete. Concrete. Is so it still reinforced concrete. I think they just say special stone building. So maybe yeah, the word special stone wall. Maybe special means titanium or something. <laughs> but if it's just concrete, it's like it feels to me this shouldn't have taken him hours to get out of. But hey, no. what do I know? Actually, it makes a lot more sense that he's able to get out just um, by the by the next page. And every time I read this comic, whenever it says minute after minute, hour after hour, I'm thinking of that rap song from Criminal Mind, not Criminal Minds, um, Dangerous Minds, mm-hmm. the uh, um, Gangsta Paradise. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, I forget how the lyrics go after that, cause it ha- but it has that um, minute after minute, hour after hour is one of the... So I hear him singing that. Anyways, um, I thought the art with Tired Bruce was pretty fantastic, especially that panel on the top of 15 where he's holding the cup and he's just like uh-huh. so exhausted. Yeah. He's a fantastic face. And good old Rick, you know, he's like, he's, he's des- decided, forget the Hulk, I'm done with that guy. But then as soon as he goes back to, like, get his wallet, I guess, or something, like, he sees Bruce on the floor and remembers, oh, yeah, actually, it's Bruce I care about. And the Hulk, you know, we can't go by what he says because that dude would be crazy, right? So Yeah. It, it, <laughs> as you're saying, that kind of makes me think of unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when, he's, when he's nice, he's really nice. It's only it's, when he's not nice. It's only when he drinks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of neat to get a little slightly more human, Bruce, because up until now, we've got kind of nothing. He's just been like a vessel, sort of. Mm-hmm. And in here, you know, he's happy to see Rick. He actually smiles. And then in the end, he gets a date, which up until now, we're not even sure he's cared about <laughs> Betsy's affection towards him all that much. Uh, yeah, he's been very – even whenever he's been like in those first couple of issues where he was the star of the show and the Hulk was just kind of in the way, mm-hmm. he felt I felt like he was being moved by the plot. Yeah. He's a very reserved person. Um, so you think? Do you think like they really had intentions of bringing Hulk back, or do you think they were trying to wrap this up with a happy ending and like he just gets the girl and lives happily ever after? I I feel like at some point during the course of this story or before the story came out, they realized this is gonna be the last issue, and I kind of feel like the ending is wrapping things up. Yeah, it really felt that way to me too. Like this could have been it, and we'd never see the Hulk again. Yep. Uh, yep, could have eased. I mean, this could be Omega the Unknown. Yeah, you know? yeah. You just it started, it did its thing, it ended, and no one ever talked about it again. Except apparently, people did because they brought him back. But yep. Um, well, it's it's a fascinating concept, and you know, like like the letters columns. I think if I remember right, say those who read it really really liked it, mm-hmm. and this particular issue bringing out a lot of the psychodrama that you were mentioning earlier really helps to sell the idea of Bruce and the Hulk in conflict and Bruce mm-hmm. trying to live his life and also being the Hulk. Um, taking the change out of his hands and making it random or hard to control, I think, was very important. Yeah, that was probably the move that really sold it because they obviously didn't like him only changing at night. That got old real quick for them. 
Um, and, um, and then they tried to make it so that Rick could control him because I guess they had to have some way of pointing the bullet. Yeah, then, finding the formula was hard. Yeah, once they found this, I think this this last page essentially where it's like, you know, it seemed like the two of them were struggling and Hulk wants to stay the Hulk and then Bruce like fights his way out. Um, that might have s- sold it. The uh, the fact that he gets a pardon, I think, is kind of a big deal in the history of the Hulk. It's not really something I think that everybody really gets mentioned again. Mm-hmm. But they pardoned the Hulk because he saved the world. I mean, he doesn't have a social security number, but yeah. And then, of course, Rick gives us a little bit of a zing at the end. The last panel is the, the light in the Nightmare on Elm Street house coming on at the end of the third or fourth movie. Um, <laughs> I'll have to take your word for that one. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think I've only seen the one where... He gets blown up at the end and he says something like kids. I don't even know which one oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that six or something like that? I don't know. It was one of the later ones. By that point, it was apparently not scary and it was supposed to be all funny or something because that's how I found it. But <laughs> um, I'm looking at my notes and that's basically it. Um, it, it was kind of th- cool that the Hulk was all like, good job helping me, kids. He's even, like even patting one of them on the head. Um that was a rare, much like Thunderbolt Ross. That's kind of a rare moment of generosity, mm-hmm. or uh, or you know empathy or something. I'm not sure what the right word is, but uh, gratitude. Social, there's the word. Social yeah. skills. Yeah, social skills. Uh, I thought that was neat, um, but yeah, I don't know what else. I mean, I, I kind of feel like it was rushed in the end because he's like, just undo everything or I'll smash your face, right? And they kind of have one panel of him undoing everything. Although to be fair, it took one panel for him to do everything too, but. And then there's just like a picture of his rocket flying away, you know, like that's mm-hmm. that kind of his whole running away thing even happens off camera. So it's like, let's just wrap this up. I think as you go through these last few pages, the panels start getting really tight. Yeah. I think they could realize he was running out of pages because yeah. um, there's there are 11 panels on page 23. Yeah. But the drama's cool. The fake gun and like it, he just keeps getting closer and closer and closer and he gets more and more sweaty and you could tell he's mm-hmm. really freaking out. Like that's all good art. I like that stuff. Um, I mean the Hulk turning into or, or the putting – also, can you imagine the Hulk sitting there while Rick Jones applies uh, like a plaster mold on his face so they can make a latex mask out of his face? Okay, yeah. I guess we shouldn't brush over that entire ridiculousness. But that <laughs> – one, it just looks silly as heck. Two, yeah. Also, why would Bruce really want that? What does that do for him? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what is he like? To studying, see what he looks like, studying when he's, when how he's... much he grows or something. I don't know. I don't know. But then also, I was wondering if if he has Bruce Banner's head when he goes out to fight something. If somebody punched him in the head, would it hurt more, or does he still have Hulk's like invulnerability with Bruce Banner's head? That's a good question. Because he's wearing but, this mask, and it's like, what if what if those metal things like bonk him in the head or something? But taking off the Hulk mask and finding the Hulk face underneath and be like, what does this even mean? And the other guy's like, I don't know. We need to get out of here. <laughs> is one of my favorite, favorite moments of utter insanity in all of comics. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And... uh yeah, I don't know. Kind of pointless, really. <laughs> that whole thing, <laughs> yeah, the whole business. Yeah. But <laughs> The whole mask thing is pointless. I don't even know why it happened except to show Struggle. the Hulk with Bruce's head. Yeah, it is really weird. But I guess that does help add to the subtext of the psychological struggle you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Whether or not that was Ditko's intention or not, it, or, it is subtext. Or if he was just trying to be funny. 
I don't yeah. know. We might be putting too know. much into that, but that's just what I'm what I'm doing when I read it because that's what the Hulk is to me all about, like psychological craziness. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the Metal Master does come back in the 70s and Rampaging Hulk, number three. So maybe we'll see that again. And we are right at an hour. Like after I shortened the silences, it might even be a minute or two under an hour. So the question is, do we go a little bit long with Fantastic Four? No. No? No, there's too much to talk about on Fantastic Four. Okay. That should be our next episode. Do you... um? I mean, we could squeeze in one of the little ones. Do you want to do that? We could. We haven't done that before. We could try it, see how it feels. What's the first well, little one? How about we just stick to and an hour? Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We haven't been doing yeah. that lately. Yeah, you know what? You're right. After and we, the last we've gotten long ones, so many letters complaining about how long we've been going. Right. Okay, I made that up. We've got none, but still. <laughs> If y'all only knew the gap between production and release on these things. <laughs> right. That's true. They haven't even heard the long episodes yet. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, How bizarre. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to cut it off there. We're at an hour. And um, if you want to email us, there is email ability at the website. The website, which you can find at, guess what? Makearsmarvel.com. Named after the show. Not a coincidence. Um, there'll be a contact form there, or you can email us directly at podcast at makearsmarvel.com. The website also has Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter links for your social pleasure, and a YouTube link, um, and all the various ways you can subscribe to the show if you're an Android user or an iTunes user, uh, or you like Google Play, whatever that is. It's all on there. Um, and lastly, every show we do has a post dedicated to it obviously and on there we try and throw on relevant images of what we're talking about so if you've never read these books or it's been a while and you're wondering what we mean about crazy like hulk with bruce banner's head chances are it'll be on that episode's post so you can go check it out and see what we're talking about we have gotten twitter follows from uh this is either kyle chris or crease or it's chris with an e on the end so i don't know what that does to the i um and Ken Barr Jr. He also followed us along with Charlie Willard, uh, Hope and Chris of the J Guys and Jedi podcast, which is a podcast going through every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's a delightful show. And I strongly recommend Star Wars fans go check it out. I think they're planning on continuing with Rebels after they get to the end of Clone Wars, but um, I cannot guarantee that because I'm not them. Um, <laughs> we also got a follow from Hidden Ranger uh, and from a Spider-Man podcast I've started listening to recently, and I only listened to their episode of a c- covering a particular issue after we have recorded our own so I recently listened to their Amazing Spider-Man 1 coverage. Uh-huh. What you have is you have two British uh, young guys talking about Spider-Man. And they only know Spider-Man through media, through movies and stuff. So they're discovering the original comics for the first time. Wow. Both of them are new to old Spider-Man comics. And what's that show it, called? That is called Swinging Through Spider-Man. And they can be found on Twitter at Spidey Podcast. So that's that's pretty great. They're 
quite a ways through. They're like in the 30s, I think, of Amazing Spider-Man. And they do multiple episodes a week, a lot of weeks. So um, they're I'm going to get infinitely farther and farther behind for them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they're definitely worth checking out. And, um, and they're British, so that's really unfair. You know, it is. I, I don't feel why, like. Why are they always? Why do they always sound so much more clever than everybody else? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible to be prejudiced against our British overlords, <laughs> um, or it definitely should be possible. You would think, but anyway, that was a while ago. I, I wasn't there. I'm looking at the Facebook likes. I'm not sure if any of these are have are have happened since I last went through the Facebook likes. Because in the Facebook likes on last episode, right? After we talked about Spider-Man? We did. I mentioned you liking us on Facebook and David Land and Oliver Villa or Biad mm-hmm. and uh, um, J. David Weeder. Yeah. Okay. So no new Facebook likes. What the heck, so people? So why don't you go fix that? Like us on Facebook. Like us on uh, Twitter. Like us on what you really like because eventually we might start weeding down some of these things we plug the show on because I feel like we have no traction on Google Plus right now and very little on YouTube. Um, if you listen to us through iTunes, please leave a review. I think we have one five-star review right now because the show hadn't been out yet. So we got five stars. Yes. Awesome. But now that the show is out, why don't you give us what you really think? That would be cool. The more you review, the more we show up in searches, I think, or at least maybe that's a magical myth that iTunes podcasters like to tell. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but, uh, you know, couldn't hurt to get reviews. So if you've got the time, even just a sentence will do. I am going to mention special thanks to a few individuals who've been really um, supportive of the show as far as sharing and retweeting. Da- Daniel Doherty mm-hmm. uh, shares almost everything we post on Facebook. And Scott McElroy, Al Sedano, and Jason Venable have been retweeting almost every single thing we do on Twitter. Is, so Is Jason um, the snicked guy? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I've been following him on Twitter. He posts some cool Marvel retro panel stuff. So if you guys are into the 60s Marvel... Check yeah, he started out. this uh, same uh, journey we're on about an er, uh, about a year before we did. Okay, so he's he's been going through classic Marvel. And I'm pretty sure he's doing the entire breadth. Uh, he may not be doing Sergeant Fury. I don't remember him posting any Sergeant Fury stuff. Um, and there may be other books that he's dropped out that just or that he doesn't follow that I just don't know about. But yeah, he's he's a good friend. I've been on his show a few times, and um, Hidden Ranger also retweeted us this morning. So really, I, I've I've found that like sharing posts and retweeting posts and adding to adding someone to your spectrum of friends is a, is one of the most effective ways of getting a show seen. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah. And now with all these things, it's kind of like we talked about a whole other comic. I mean, that's how long it took. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see that worked out too. then. All right. Until the scrolls copy the Zartans and infiltrate the entire superhero world, make ours marvel. marvel.